Good morning. Praise the Lord. Um, this morning, I'd like to invite you to join in uh, a little bit shorter meditation on the love of God. Um, our text this morning will be three mostly very familiar verses, uh, passages, Romans 5, 8, John 3, 16, and 17, and Galatians 2, 20. Jesus, crucified for sinners, is the ultimate revelation of God's love for us. But we can't just accept him, we have to receive him. The cross is a call to die. The resurrection is an invitation to live for him and belong to him forever. So, um, let's uh, open up in prayer together. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I am not worthy of the least of all the kindnesses that you have shown me, for I spent most of my uh, 39 years so far um, trying to resist your will in whatever areas I could and still get by, which I guess makes me the least of all Christians, and yet you set your affection on me in eternity past, and I thank you very much for that. Lord, I pray that you would um, today convict us not of, not of social mistakes or the things for which we're embarrassed, but that you would convict us of our sins against thee, and that you would show us not, um, not condemnation, but the conviction that can only come from God, not the accusation of Satan but the righteous conviction of the Holy Spirit that is always accompanied with the hope of resurrection and unification with Christ in his death and resurrection. And I pray that you would help us to understand today that the hope of the resurrection and in its meaning, the power of the resurrection is embedded in the cross. And that you would help us, every one of us here, and every one of us listening, and everyone who will hear this message one day, if that includes anybody else, we pray that you would help us to meet you and come to you at the cross, to lay our burdens down, and to receive your yoke. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Today is Easter, Resurrection Sunday, but I'd like to focus our attention today on the love of God as demonstrated on Good Friday, in the cross Jesus bore for us in our place, because nowhere is the love of God more visible than at that cross. And it is there that we must meet the Lord. Um, if you have been reading through the, the traditionally read scriptures during Holy Week this week, or if you attended a, a Good Friday service, or if you simply remember these scriptures from when you did read them, you remember that after an exhausting night of mocking, scorning, accusation, and the reception of false charges and false condemnation, Jesus was scourged. And the Roman scourging was a brutal beating that tore the body and perhaps exposed the bowels. It was a terrible beating, and weak from exhaustion and thirst, probably dehydration from blood loss, he crumbled under the weight of his cross, and so 
Simon of Cyrene was compelled to carry his cross for him to the place called the Skull, where he was crucified between two condemned sinners. Under, under judgment, a harsh punishment, but they were being judged for their own sin. And Christ was being condemned for mine. Romans 5.8 God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. After that exhausting night of mocking and scourging and the crucifixion of Jesus, he bore the weight of the sin of the whole world. And here is the wonder of it all. He didn't have to. There tend to be two reasons why we don't receive Christ and accept his love and follow him. One is too high of a view of ourselves. We tend to be entitled. We tend to think God owes me and life is hard. Therefore, God didn't, God didn't treat me like I ought to have been treated. And that keeps us from Christ. And too low a view of ourselves for whatever reason, either the the hopelessness of depression, with which most everybody has suffered, or perhaps one day will pass through until the resurrection, or because of condemnation or remembered accusations or labels given by parents or teachers or others through the years. Um, we, we, we don't make it to hope that the love of God is real and is for us. So today... We come to the cross of Christ because at the cross, Jesus answers both of us, both of those barriers. He, he, he who was exalted in heaven humbled himself and came lowly and in weakness to reach down and take us by the hand and lift up the lowly and to seat us in heavenly places with him in Christ Jesus. And he who was exalted above all condescended to the proud, scattering the proud in the thoughts of their hearts and gathering us after probably many trials and tribulations in life, gathering us unto himself. Having lost or left everything, we follow him, we who once lived in pride and entitlement. And that is the glory of Christ and the ability he demonstrates in that powerful cross. God shows his love for us in that while we were still proud, entitled, enslaved sinners, Christ died for us. There is no reason God should love us. And yet he does. None of us deserves God's love because none of us has earned it or been worthy of God's love. On the other hand, none of us is not a sinner. We tend to think of ourselves as pretty good people, but even we are aware in those few and far between moments of honesty and private reflection of many sins for which God ought to judge us. If we got what we deserved, none of us would go to heaven. 
There is no good reason why God loves us except his free choice to do so. It doesn't come out of any need, but out of his own aseity, his own needlessness, his own contentment. From the wealth, that, from the riches of his wealth in his own heart, his needing nothing, he reaches out to man, to sinful human beings. And out of his own character, he loves. None of us has ever done anything to deserve or earn the love of God, ever. To quote Pastor Weiss from a sermon he taught entitled Loving God several years ago, as far as I can understand, the number one goal of God is to have a special, treasured people that are for his possession, in which he can dwell in a powerful and glorious way and demonstrate who he is by the presence of God that dwells in those people and how they love and serve one another. That's what the church is supposed to be. So what would God's highest priority be? God wants us to love him. He wants to reveal to you how much he loves you. In the cross, the love of God goes from invisible to visible in the person of Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins. God wants you to know how much he loves you, and he wants you to love him more. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I think that is the most wonderful thing ever done, said, or thought. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Truly, if God were to keep track of sin, none of us would be saved from his wrath. It is right of God both to be angry and to judge evil, even my evil. But at the cross, a separation is made. Christ meets me in my sin and cuts off the cords that tie me to my sin, dividing me from all my sin against him, all my shame, and all my guilt for that sin. He takes it upon himself. Suffering for sins not his own. Worse, bearing the weight of that sin. Have you ever felt crushing guilt? Most of us have. Imagine bearing the weight of the sins of the whole world. I tell you that worse than his physical pain, worse than his rejection by his brothers, worse than being rejected by his own to whom he came, was bearing the weight of all of our sin for all of the generations that are to come and all of the generations past, all those, all those who would receive him, all their sin. His, he bore in himself the weight of the sins of the whole world. We tend to not think of ourselves as deserving hell, but God does. 
Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. There would have been another way. His death was enough to atone for all sin, yet it was efficacious or effective to atone for the sin of those who would receive him. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, nowadays we accept Jesus, right? Is that a, that's a pretty familiar term. I grew up with that. Did most people? Mm-hmm. Accepting Christ, right? Nowadays we, we talk of accepting Jesus. But it may come as a surprise that in the Bible people did not accept Jesus. They received him. And there's a difference. And that difference is seen in the two criminals on the cross. Come back with me several days from Easter Sunday to Good Friday. Jesus crucified between two sinners, one on his right and the other on his left. And the one hurling insults, mocking him. If you're the Christ, save yourself and us, right? As he dies. And the other rebuking the first and pleading the innocence of Christ, saying, we are being punished because we are sinners. He did nothing wrong. The difference is this. The criminal on the cross who was mocking, railing at Christ and hurling insults at him accepted Christ. I think something in him really thought something of Jesus, that perhaps Jesus could take himself down and save them too. And in his bitterness and in his suffering, he mocked him and he said, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. The other one went past accepting Christ, believing that he was loving or powerful or able to save, he received him. He said, remember me. That day, the second criminal was with him in paradise. Paul said it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we have the love of God, that wonderful, boundless, matchless love of God that many have accepted, but some have not received. If that is you, then this message is for you. You have to put yourself in place of that sinner on that cross, That scripture was written that you might believe and receive him. We must respond to the love of God in this way. Responding to the love of God means more than having hope that he is who he says he is. It means putting your hope in such a way that you're committed to obey him in all things. It means you receive him as your commander. You can't come to Christ 
without giving him everything you have, even your very self. You can't receive Christ without meeting him at the cross and being buried with him in baptism, without being crucified with him, without letting him have it all. That doesn't mean we don't make incredibly great and grievous mistakes. In the words of Martin Luther, we are very great, grievous, and hard-boiled sinners. Hard-boiled means once the, boiled, the egg is boiled, it's, it's cooked and you can't uncook it. We are, we are stained, we are dyed-in-the-wool sinners, and the flesh was with us all the days of our life. That, that deceitful heart, that urge to follow the sinful desires and passions of the flesh, we are not unshackled from that in the totalizing sense until we are raised with him in glory. And that is the hope of the resurrection. But receiving Christ means fir being firmly resolved to obey him in every area, no matter the cross, no matter the cost. And the first thing we have to do is become like him in his death. The cross calls us away from our old lives into a new life the life that he has prepared for us. The cross calls us to die and to come to life again with a new identity. We don't define that identity for ourselves. As Lord and Christ, all authority has been given to him. He tells us who we are. Praise the Lord. When you leave everything to follow Christ, you get the new identity that he gives you. And that identity is something very specific. And it comes with a whole set of responsibilities. The responsibilities of a disciple. That identity transcends many man-made boundaries and definitions. And yet, is assigned to us at our new birth. We can't change that or choose that. The challenge of the cross is to leave who we were at the foot of the cross and to let Him become Lord and Savior. He must save us from ourselves. The deceitful desires of our hearts are still the deceitful desires of our hearts, but they are no longer master. Now He is master. Can you fill the tug of the heart? Can you fill the clasp of His hand lifting you up. His mercies are new every morning. As God said to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Brothers and sisters, and those who have never resolved to obey God, no matter the cost, I urge you to believe in this gospel, you cannot rule over sin that lives in you unless Jesus is ruling over you. Amen. Having been raised from the dead, he is able to grant us newness of life to all those who call on his name. Calling on his name means meeting him at the cross, leaving the old you, and receiving a new name and a new identity. Child of God. Say out loud every day when you wake up, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God,
who loves me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. This is part of receiving Christ. As Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on the eve of his crucifixion, Mark 14, 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Some of you are not following God struggling with following God because you do not like the cup he has given you. You've been mistreated. You've been betrayed. Rejected by brothers. Abandoned by friends. Forsaken by father and mother. You've been hated without a cause. For you, perhaps, the grief, the tragedy, and the loss of life has been too great to bear. It wasn't fair. Why did God let this happen to me? You lost faith. You lost hope. You doubted God. To you I say this. The mystery of the cross cannot be explained in words. You have to look upon Jesus crucified for yourself. Romans 5.5, five. and in seeing Jesus lifted up, you will see the love of God made manifest. And then is the love of God poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ, the Holy of Holies, died for the ungodly, for the ungodly. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There is no reason that God should love us. And yet he has loved us with an everlasting love, a love that will not let me go. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That means the ones that God has chosen, picked, and set his affection on. The cross communicates so much to us of God's love. The cross says you're not who others say you are. You're who God says you are permanently. The cross says you're worth loving. The cross says you're worth his time, his attention, his affection, and his suffering. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. 
More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is praying for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing, no one, anywhere, ever. Amen. Amen. If we die with him, we shall also live with him. The wonder of the cross is that Christ would die for sins not his own, to make a people not his own belong to God and holy to God. The answer to the cross is, well, Jesus asks for an answer. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? If you love me, obey my commandments. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant also will be. This is the answer to the cross. As Peter Lightheart said in a recent blog post, the choice is not between death and life. The choice is between death and death. Between death with the world or death in Christ to the world. Either way, Good Friday is the end. Either way, it's your funeral. As Jesus said in the garden, through many tears, yet not what I will, but what you will. This is our answer to the cross. The cross is the ultimate revelation of God's love for us. But we can't just accept him. We have to receive him. The cross is a call to die to ourselves And the resurrection is the promise that daily God will supply all our need in Christ Jesus until that day when we put off the mortal body and put on immortality. Amen and amen.